Today we are going to continue our player deep dive series. Going to talk about Alex Fiedo and Zach Short. And then at the end, talk about their futures in the Tigers organization. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Swing for the fences on sleeper picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the sleeper app, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Alrighty, well, I hope everybody is having a fantastic week on the on the back nine of this week. So uh, enjoy the rest of it and hope that uh, the first part has gone well. I'm not really sure that got away from me, but um, we are back and we are going to talk today about Alex Fiedo and Zach Short. I feel like I say everybody is an interesting conversation at this point, and I like genuinely believe that just... Because I I think I'm I'm a weird nerd when it comes to the, the game of baseball and the Tigers specifically, but I I do think that Alex Fiedo especially is a pretty pretty fascinating conversation, and the reason why is just because there have always been and will continue to be questions about what his role is on the team, and like when I mean role, I mean like literally what his position is. Is he a starter or is he a reliever? And you know we. It, it it's interesting because when you go back to when he was even like post Tommy John, but still in the minors, right? I think most people were of the belief of like, all right, this dude's going to be a reliever. And, and like the, in, the, the Tommy John was really the nail in the coffin. Even before that, there was some like questions about it just because he was kind of a two pitch pitcher and, and they were fine pitches, but, but two pitch pitchers usually, lead to, to bullpen. He wasn't going super deep into games and then the injury happened and he came back and people were like, all right, like this dude's probably a reliever. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but he's probably going to end up in the pen. And when he got called up, he had to start because this team had a plethora of starting pitching injuries that season. Uh, goodness gracious, so many. And so he was kind of forced into starting games and he wasn't bad. Like, he wasn't like September and August Reese Olsen. He didn't completely change everybody's opinion on him overnight or, or I, I guess in a, in a six week stretch, right? Like people didn't completely jump ship and we're like, Oh yeah, like this dude's going to be absolutely a hundred percent a starting pitcher going forward. But it at least caused a lot of people to question and, and people like myself to be like, Oh, maybe like, maybe there's still a path for him to be a starting pitcher on this team. And, I still held firm and, you know, I, I think long term, I still think he was always going to be a reliever, but th there were, there were definitely a, a, a little bit of, of uh, like maybe, right. There, you're telling, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? Like that, that definitely was kind of planted in people's brains, myself included. And, and he would go out there and he would have not every start. He certainly has always had his problem with the long ball. We'll talk about that in a second, but th there were. There were some outings where he would have a lot of swings and misses, right? Like that was the thing that really intrigued people was he would go, 
he would go six innings and have over 20 whiffs and people would be like, oh my goodness. And, and he would have a high strikeout totals, et cetera. Um, and, and the sequencing, I think, has come a long way. We'll talk about that when we talk about the profile. But I, I do think that it's important to start with this because this is the most prevalent conversation in regards to Alex Fiedo. And I, I just I, I genuinely think that he could be such a valuable weapon out of this bullpen for the Tigers going forward. And I just I want them to completely stop starting him. I, I'm so like we we have to actually develop him into what we like want him to be long term at some point. He's 27 going on 28 already. Right, that this isn't. We're not in 2019 when he's like two years removed from college. Like we're we're, we're pushing 30 at this point. We we need to actually let him turn into what we think he he is going to be most valuably. We need to let him develop into what role he will be most valuable in on this team. And so I I'm just I'm a very very before we get any further, just a very strong advocate for Alex Fiedo to be a reliever on this team in 2024. And I think he can be a darn good one. Just some, some not even like super complicated, just some like very base level underlying numbers. His ERA on the season, he ended with a 4-6 ERA, uh, but his ERA as a starting pitcher this year in 58 and two-thirds innings was 4-9-1. Uh, his whip was over one. Now, he only had six innings as a reliever, but he was dominant in those. Uh, he only gave up one hit in six innings, zero earned runs, had a zero ERA as a reliever this season. And again, that's six innings. He's obviously not going to be that. That's way too small of a sample size. But uh, the ERA was almost five in 12 starts. And, and you saw a much better version of himself when he was a, a relief pitcher. So I, I just, I, I that's where I want to start. Uh, because I think that his strikeout numbers could go up too. This is a guy with a, a nasty slider that had an 8K per nine this year. Like I, just, I, I just think that's too low. I think the ceiling is much higher in terms of swing and miss stuff. We've seen glimpses of it. We've seen whiff numbers that are really high with him. Um, and, and the next one, you know, people love to bring up the first and second time through the lineup numbers. And uh, there, there's certainly nothing wrong with those. And you, you can absolutely point to them. But I think... To prove my point even more with those, rather than first and second time to the lineup, I want to use pitch count numbers, okay? Because I think that that's more, I don't know, accurate maybe is probably not the word I'm looking for, but I think that's more correlated to like his usage as a relief pitcher. In pitches one through 25 in an outing this year, his opponent stats were a 143 average and a 518 OPS. In pitches 26 through 50, batters against him had a 275 average and an 818 OPS. And in pitches 51 through 75, had an 848 OPS against him. Now, funny enough, his Pitch his stats in pitches 76 through 100 are actually really, really good again, but that's a pretty small sample size. He didn't do that very often. So I, I, you know what I mean? Like one through 25, you're, you're talking, those are really good numbers. That's that, that would be an, an incredible multi-inning reliever. And then the second that you start, like you were talking about slugging percentages over 500 from pitches 26 to 75. It's a big sample size and a very large range. 
So we can kind of move on and get to him as a pitcher now. But I, I just I think it's really important to start with that because it, it is the most pressing conversation in regards to Alex Fajardo's future on this baseball team. Let's talk about him, the pitcher, talk about uh, his style on the mound and his pitching profile. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Sleeper. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Sleeper is the best. And with the MLB playoffs here, uh, that means taking your chance on 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseballs here. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now. Uh, There's a ton of studs in the game. We have electric playoff baseball happening and you can pick more or less on stats for stars like home runs hits strikeouts and more for up to 100 times payout on sleeper if you get your picks right you could win big use promo code locked on and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit terms and conditions apply All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping a couple more players, baby. That's going to be the foreseeable future unless any news comes out of Tigers camp from now until after the World Series. Um, So Alex Fajardo, the pitcher, uh, he did not give up a lot of hard contact this year on a consistent basis, which I liked. Um, there, there's one glaring thing when looking at, and we'll get into like the slider specifically and the change up and his pitch, pitch repertoire and stuff. But the thing that really jumps out at me is I need him to be, find a way to throw more ground balls. His ground ball rate on the season was 36.1%, which is in the bottom 15% amongst all pitchers in the game of baseball. That is alarmingly low. And, you know, he's a fastball slider guy. Uh, he obviously he throws his change up too. We'll get into that here in a second. But it, it's like that in that inherently fastball slider is not usually like a ground ball pitcher type of mentality. Uh, but that is that is very low. And it has been low his entire major league career. Uh, in his MLB career, he has a 31.1, sorry, 33.9 ground ball rate. Um, and his fly ball rate is... 31.1 amongst his entire major league career, which is very high that that's seven or 8% ahead of league average uh, when just comparing it to other pitchers around the league. So I, and look, he pitches in Comerica for the most part. I, I, I understand, you know, you're, you're going to pitch to your park a little bit, but we need to find a way to keep that ball a little bit more closer to on the ground. You feel me? I, I think that that's a, uh, that that's an important step in his development. And, you know, when it comes to just his his pitch repertoire as a whole, as I've said a million times already, fastball slider for the most part, 13.3% changeup thrown in there as well. I think the development of his changeup is very, very important to me. Um, I think that when looking at his stats against these three pitches, like his four-seam fastball had a 200 batting average against his slider numbers against are brilliant. Sub 200 average and only a 364 slug. Very good there. His changeup numbers, 222 average, 417 slug is a little high uh, for my liking. But I think he should look at Michael Lorenzen, right? Michael Lorenzen is a two-pitch pitcher with like three or four pitches. And it depends if he's facing a righty, then he uses a certain two pitches. And if he's facing a lefty, he uses 
two different pitches, right? Or like one, you know, he, the fastball really he throws against anybody, but the secondary pitch he uses just changes based on the handness of the batter. And so just kicked my camera, very professional. So I think that that is something that uh, Alex Fiedo should implore. We did see that this season, uh, his numbers just when like throwing changeups against righties, he threw 138 changeups on the season, only 34 of them were against right-handed hitters. So we are seeing that a little bit, uh, but I, I think that along with the ability to throw an effective slider against both handness is also very important as well, uh, just in terms of development for him. And one of those, we can look at his splits against righty-lefties. I, I think that this is a pretty easy place to, to make this point. Against righties this season, he had a 258 batting average and an 806 OPS against. His numbers against lefties were a 134 batting average against and a 509 OPS against. So, I, like, clearly, we are seeing some steps forward taken in terms of what he's doing against lefties, which is great. Because he is a righty. But we need, for a guy who has such a good slider, we need more effectiveness against right-handed hitters. We we need it. That's, I don't want to say inexcusable. I'm not trying to be like too dramatic. But that is that that is wild. How you can be a, a fastball slider pitcher and struggle against right-handed hitters and uh, OPS over 800 is, is high. Um, his slider against right-handed hitters, 258 average 485 slug. That's much higher than the numbers that I just gave you for his slider on the season, right? Which was a sub 200 average. Uh, his changeup against righties, a 375 average and a 625 slug. Again, that's why he didn't throw it very often against them because when he did, they crushed them. So, if you can find a way, A, to make your slider more effective against righties, I think that's mostly just command. He has a tendency to leave the ball up in the zone. The slider especially, he'll hang it every once in a while. I think that that's really all that is, to be honest with you, especially further into outings. The the stamina starts to go. The, and when stamina goes and you're a slider pitcher, uh, that, that ball can, can hang pretty quickly. So I think that that's kind of like my biggest explanation for that. But when it comes to the changeup, if he can just find a way to have a middle-of-the-road, like, mediocre third pitch that he can offer against right-handed hitters, I think that that would go a long way. But uh, I, it, really, uh, my biggest point is just going to continue to be, in a small sample size, he's good against both. He's good against righties and lefties, and his slider doesn't hang that often. If he's only facing, you know, three to nine hitters. So that's really... Like my my biggest reoccurring points on Alex Fiedo is just keep him in the bullpen, please. Having that multi-inning and like having a guy that already knows how to pitch against the opposite hand coming out of your bullpen, not having to really worry about the matchups if he can figure out again how to consistently be better against righties and do righty-righty slider stuff better. I, I think the sky's the limit. I, I really do think he could be like an unbelievably valuable asset. And the biggest thing surrounding all of Alex Fiedo is just going to be staying healthy. 
It's unfortunately not that it's his fault or anything. It's just unfortunately, you know, for as much heat as like people like Riley Green get and, and like Matt Manning get publicly for for getting hurt, like Alex Fajardo gets has has unfortunately a very very checkered history when it comes to the injury bug, and like that's a big thing as well. So stay healthy first and foremost. Not that there's really anything to do to like change staying healthy. Just please do. I'm begging. I would love to see a fully healthy, purely bullpen season from Alex Fido next season. That's what I'm looking for. And that's kind of what I expect, to be honest. I, I, in, in my mock rosters, you know, it's October 12th that, that these are going to change a lot. But right now, I think my, most of my mock rosters already have Alex Fido as a reliever on opening day next season. We'll see how he does in the spring. We'll see if they add any relievers in the off season, et cetera, a long way to go. But for right now, uh, I am very excited to see what he can do next year out of the pen. Stop starting him. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, let's talk about Zach Short. Uh, last season, Zach Short ended. Oh, I got to switch from pitching stats to hitting stats here. Goodness gracious. <laughs> what a tough life. Um, Zach Short ended the season with a 204 batting average, a 292 on base percentage, a 339 slug. That was good enough for a 76 WRC plus, so almost 25% below league average. A negative 0.2 F F war, uh, an 11.1% walk rate, a 26.1% K rate, and an OPS of 631. Clearly, the numbers are not jumping off the page at you. Um, you know, Zach Short is fascinating to me because immediately after the last season ended, I was like, this guy's toast. He is as good as gone. Scott Harris is going to come in. There's going to be a ton of roster turnover. I do not expect Zach Short to be on this roster and make it through the winter. And every single day, it was a joke at one point, if, if you were a listener last offseason, we were like, oh, Zach Short's still here. And we get to spring training, and he's still here. And then pretty quickly into the season, he's playing baseball games at the major league level for the Tigers. And now next thing you know, he played over 100 games for the Detroit Tigers this season. And what I failed to realize then, I've been wrong about plenty. I'll continue to be wrong about plenty more in life. But what I failed to realize back then was... That sounds so like introspective. I'm not trying to be like <laughs> weirdly deep about <laughs> Zach Short's major league baseball career, but what what I what I missed then was that he is exactly a Scott Harris profile, and I think that that does bode him well for staying with the organization in the future. I think that this front office is a, is a big fan of Zach Short and what he brings. He's another guy that plays four to six different positions. And he walks a boatload and he can run into some homers. He doesn't have like crazy pop or anything, uh, but he certainly can. I mean, he had seven home runs this season. He can certainly run into a few. Now, is he ever going to have a batting average significantly over 200? Absolutely not. Uh, is he ever going to hit consistently enough to have like a slugging percentage of over 400? Absolutely not. Not in legitimate playing time, but he'll barrel some balls up. And he will swing for the fences. And when he's not, he does objectively have an incredible eye and gives you positional versatility. We'll talk about a little bit more of what 2023 showed us about Zach Short 
And then we'll talk about both of these guys' future. We've already kind of talked about Fayeto's future on the team, but uh, we will talk about uh, what they have to do to make it through the winter right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, and that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in case of an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have medication on hand, and it's simple. They have handled everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication and delivery and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. You can get $20 off of these life-saving antibiotics today at Jace Medical by using my code Locked On, all one word, all caps, at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-C medical.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. Your third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. So we're talking about Zach Short. And we kind of broke down the profile. Um, his walk rate was 11.1%, which is like really good. His chase rate is 16.4%, which is unbelievably low, right? Pitch recognition, great. Um, his K rate isn't the best thing in the world. It's well below league average, but it's not, you know, like over 30% or anything ridiculous. Like he's going to work counts. It's just, he's going to hit 200 and he, his power is not, he's not Adam Dunn. He's not hitting 200, but with, you know, 40 bombs, like he's hitting 200 with seven homers and over a hundred games played. Um, the positional versatility is, is one of the reasons why I think the Tigers like him as well. But to be completely honest with you, it's, it's one thing to play multiple positions. It's another thing to play multiple positions like really well. And I think that unfortunately for Shorty, like he, he played how many different positions did he play this season? Uh, quite a few. I'm trying to pull it up here. I've already lost my spot like a million times. I have notes all over the place. Um, but none of them were, were positive, right? Like he, he was, he was a, here it is. He was negative two at, at third base. He was negative one at shortstop and he was negative one at second base. So he had a negative four OAA on the season, which is in the 15th percentile. His arm strength is middle of the pack. Um, like he, he, his, his, Fielding value was in the 24th percentile overall, like bottom quarter of the league. Uh, he was a negative in fielding run value. So like, yes, he plays multiple positions, but really at no point in his career uh, outside of a plus one in 2021 at second base in like two innings of work, uh, has he given you like substantial plus defense in any of these positions? So I like, I, I appreciate the versatility. Um, but as far as like utility player goes, like we just talked about Zach McKinstry yesterday. That's a dude that that's a, that's a net zero or plus defender at like six different positions where Shorty is a minus at three different and, and offensively, there's a huge limit to his upside. Now, the thing about, about Zach Short is he goes up there with intention to do one thing, and that is to barrel up the baseball or draw a walk. Um, his, his launch angle all across the strike zone is pretty consistently like solid. Uh, he, he's lifting the ball and he is pulling the baseball as well. Uh, and, and boy, oh boy, is he, is he doing 
both of those things to an extreme. Like when you want to talk about the the new philosophy of the last year has been like pull and elevate, right? That's how you can maximize value on a lot of players. We talked about it with Torkelson a lot. We'll talk about it again when we get to his player breakdown. Uh, Zach Short, his ground ball rate, 32.5%. That's 12% lower than league average, right? His fly ball rate for his career, 34.7%. League average is 23 and a half. <laughs> he, over a third of the time he makes contact, that thing is a fly ball. And his pop-out rate is 5%, almost 6% higher than league average as well. So he is getting under the baseball with intention to lift that thing. Uh, and then his pull rate is forty, almost 44%, which is very, very high as well, well above league average. So he's going up there with intention to pull and lift the ball. He's going up there with intention to try to get a barrel on the baseball or draw a walk. The thing that's going to just continue to hinder Zach Short at the plate is like he just has never hit fastballs well at the major league level. And like it's tough to be a major league baseball player when you don't hit just like straight up four seam fastballs very well. Uh, this season, he had a 143 average and a 286 slug against four seam fastballs. Uh, you know what I like? That, he had a 33.3% strike like K rate on four seam fastballs. That's just like very much not even close to good enough numbers to be like a mainstay. Now, to his credit, he destroyed sliders. I, I don't know what adjustment he made. He hit 348 with a slug over 600. He had like a 1,000 OPS <laughs> against sliders, the equivalent of an 1,000 OPS against sliders this season. So good for him. Uh, he, he absolutely crushed those pitches. Now, the one thing that everybody really likes to bring up that Shorty provided this season was his stats with runners in scoring position. Uh, he had a 900 OPS with RISP on the season, a 290 batting average uh, in that situation as well. Now, which is is awesome, and that's great. My not to like dump cold water all over that, but that was in 100 games. Like that, that's a solid sample size. The only other time in his major league career where Zach Short has gotten legitimate playing time at the major league level was in 2021 for the Tigers, where he appeared in 60 games. Last year, he only played in six games for Detroit, and then he never played at the major league level for the Cubs. So that's the only other major league stint we have. And 60 games is not a, a super small sample size, right? Like that's, 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 a decent, that's a decent sample there. And in 2021, he had a 535 OPS and a 114 batting average. In, with runners in scoring position. And the only reason I bring that up is just to say, I've said this point before, and I'm just reiterating it. Like, it's players who aren't super effective major league hitters don't just, like, randomly, throughout their entire career, in year-to-year -year samples, it's certainly possible, and I think that's what Short did, so all the credit to him. But, like, you don't see guys who have 600 OPSs throughout the entire course of their career are just like, oh, this guy's a 600 OPS, but his stats with runners in scoring position, he's a 900 OPS. Like that, that, that to me, and, and if you disagree, that's fine. But like to me, this is very much a water is going to find its level 
type of situation. Like you're not just going to have Zach Short available off the bench for the rest of his career, and he's just going to be prime Miguel Cabrera whenever a runner is on second or third base, and with runners empty, he's he's going to have an OPS in the 500s. Like that just that that doesn't seem like a sustainable, like really possible thing to maintain with a legitimate sample size over the course of a career. And that's why I bring up the 2021 numbers that were like not very good at all. Because I, I think that water is probably going to find his level, its level in that regard. Now, that all being said, I love Zach Short and he's an absolute gamer. And the, the dude clearly just cares about winning. All of his interviews after games are just consistently like, I need to be better to like get a sack fly there or put my team in a position to win or I have to drive that run in. Like he, he's just, he's such a gamer and he, he's such just like a, like a, a, a baseball, like dirt ball, you know, like that, that just a, a gritty grinded out, like very high. The stat X grit would love Zach short. Okay. It does love, I, 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 I'm better. I know that it loves Zach short, you know, like that is the type of player that he is. And organizationally, I am always going to be okay if Zach Short is in my organization. Now, that being said, going and looking ahead at 2024, I think I've made my point clear about Fiedo. Want him on the major league roster in the bullpen as a multi-innings reliever. I think that that's a good spot for him. Now, if you go out and sign some relievers and he pushes him out of the bullpen, then fine. Put him in Toledo. And have him, I don't know how many options he has left. I guess I'll have to check on that. But like put him in Toledo and, and have him work as strictly a reliever. For the love of everything, can we stop trying to like one day you're a starter, one day you're a reliever. There's no way that's good for development. Okay, pick a path and stick to it. For Zach Short, I don't think that there's room on the Major League roster for Zach Short on opening day next season. I also don't believe he has any options left. So if I'm not sure it's going to be possible for him to make it through the winter this time. And I said that last year and was wrong. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that there is really a route to comfortably do that. I do think, however, that he is clearly has no problem playing in the minor leagues. And if you really, really love him as depth, that bringing him back on a minor league deal where he's not on the 40 man roster. So you don't, you're not burning through options or even a 40 man roster spot for him. And you want to keep him in the organization and nobody else is going to offer him a 40 man. If nobody else offers him a 40 man roster spot, you know, in the league and he's sitting out there, if you want to bring him back and sign him to a, to a, you know, to be your shortstop or second baseman in Toledo next season, and then if we have a situation where depth is really becoming an issue, we need to call somebody up and, you know, da -da -da -da, to the rescue is Zach Short. I have no issue with that. I really don't. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Zach Short. I, I like what he brings to an organization. I just, I don't think that given the, these numbers and the profile that he is and the possibility of him ever changing or, or uh, like, yeah, really, I guess changing is the word, the type of player that he is. Um, I don't think that we should be burning a major league roster spot on him, at least on opening day next season. But, and I don't even really want to burn a 40 man roster spot on him, to be completely honest with you at this point. We have so many people we got to protect in rule five. We have so many moves that we want to make and, and people we want to bring in. I, I think it's time to raise the bar of the talent level 
of the 40 man. Um, but that all, again, that being said, if you want to bring him back on a minor league deal where he's not on the 40 man to start off the season, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, cause if, you know, if we're three or four injuries deep, I'm, I'm not against, uh, Zach short bat nine on my baseball team. Again, if, uh, if worse comes to worse. All right. Absolute gamer, nothing but respect for shorty. So there you go. Thanks for making locked on tigers. Your first listen, Every single day, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow, recapping a couple more players, baby. Um, I think that's all I got. Let me know what y'all think of those two players, as always, and we'll be back tomorrow. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch y'all then, baby. Go Tigers.